Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to the Stockouts. This is your show at Freight Waves for all things related to the consumer packaged goods industry, the CPG industry. I am your host, Mike Bowden, still head of Intermodal Solutions here at Freight Waves. And this is the show at Freight Waves where we set aside about 25 minutes to talk about the CPG space. And today we'll be talking to Guillermo Garcia, co-founder and CEO of SmartHop. That's a fleet management software company that uh, specializes in supporting small Leads. I'll also go through um, what I think were the main takeaways from last week's earnings uh, reports on the retailers. You know, Walmart and Target reported. I think there's always read-throughs, um, you know, for the CPG industry as, as far as what those companies say. Walmart being about a 20% customer for the CPG industry. So before we do those things, um, do want to make sure everyone signed up for the stockout newsletter. You can do that at www.freightwaves.com forward slash the stockouts. And at this point, it doesn't really matter whether you sign up for the stockout. Uh, there or point of sale, we're going to be merging the two uh, as of September 1st. Uh, I'm going to be joining um, Grace Sharkey, and we're going to be combining two shows and two newsletters into one, focusing on retail and CPG in one. And I think this show uh, is going to be good practice for that just because I'll be focusing in on what the retailers said last week and what that means for the CPG uh, companies. And so Went through um, the earnings for Walmart and Target. Not going to be talking about it the way a stock analyst would, would, would be talking about it. I spent enough time uh, doing that job uh, the last uh, 13 years or so. Uh, but want to bring up um, you know, the Walmart uh, stock chart, which I think is kind of interesting. So you see how these, uh, this is a five-year stock chart uh, with you know Walmart in, in black, Target in blue. You see them trends kind of similarly um, for the most part up until about, um, let's call it the second quarter of last year where both of those stocks dropped sharply. Looks like it was in about May. I think that was when the companies guided um, you know, down and said they had way too much inventory. You know, Both of the companies did. That's when you know, imports started dropping. And since then, Walmart has uh, fully recovered. Walmart share price fully recovered and, and more, up to you know, 157.85 um, there, while uh, targets continued to go down. You know, a lot of reasons for that. I think the biggest reason is that Target, um, you know, their demographics is too close to Amazon. Uh, too close to uh, maybe uh, Costco, and uh, you know Walmart's a little bit more insulated. Walmart is more geared towards uh, you know consumables in the grocery space, which now make up more than half of its sales, even if it's um, less than half of their profitability. So um, you know, really seen a big you know divergence uh, there. And also had an interesting chart along similar lines that we have from from Sonar. So this is data that's currently in. A QA, so the Sonar customers can't quite pull that up yet, but this has gotten some attention from you know those in the financial community. You know, a lot of the hedge funds try to look at alternate sources of data that uh, is 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 not necessarily you know priced into the share price. And I think you know truck visits to retailers 
um, you know, would constitute as, as one of those sources. You see Walmart in orange or, or green. Walmart is in green there, and Target is in uh, blue. Those are trucks that visit those businesses. Not a perfect data set because, of course, Walmart has one of the biggest, uh, you know, private fleets. I believe this is uh, primarily for for hire, uh, you know, carriers. But you do see a much bigger drop off, uh, you know, for Target. Um, you know, less uh, purchasing of, uh, you know, discretionary general merchandise type items. So in going through the earnings reports last week, really have three main takeaways that I thought were incremental to what the companies had talked about before, if we're looking at it from the perspective of the CPG companies. And the first takeaway is I thought that the, um, you know, Walmart's comments that the consumer is holding up better than they had expected at the previous, at the beginning of the quarter was something that was that w- was incremental, and I think a lot of that has to do with you know now we're starting to see in some of the macro data that uh, people's incomes are growing a little bit faster than uh, the in- rate of inflation. You know, the past two months, and that ended a streak of about twenty four months when inflation was outpacing the p- for the pace of of wage growth. So consumers, I think, are feeling maybe just a little bit better. And what that means for CPG companies, you know, most of these CPG companies have seen elasticities stay pretty low and would expect those to remain, you know, fairly low, let's say no worse than historical, um, historical averages. So I thought that was a positive, you know, read through for CPG, the consumers holding up a little bit better than expected. There was also some discussion on, uh, supplier prices on the call. You know, we have heard, um, in previous quarters, Walmart saying that dry grocery prices have to come down. They, their language was a little bit more aggressive on this latest call. Uh, someone asked them, one of the analysts asked them about promotional activity because that's a big bear thesis in the CPG industry that they're going to have so many promotions that they won't be able to see margin improvement. Walmart said basically that promotions is kind of the easy way out. What they prefer is to work with the CPG companies, the suppliers to take freight, um, you know, have the, the lower price in the shelves reflect the fact there's been lower freight costs, that there's been lower um, commodity costs in a lot of cases. And, uh, it sounds like they're going to be more aggressive, um, you know, with the CPG companies, maybe getting some of those prices down. We have seen, uh, the, the dry grocery prices stay much higher than the fresh grocery prices. You know, when you look at things like this, the CPI, um, data for, uh, you know, food. Um, and then also there was a lot of discussion on in stock, you know, target specifically talking about this in stock every time, a concept uh, that you're trying to do more with, you know, e-commerce and you know, pick up and delivery. You know, they want to give you your your Starbucks while you drive up and get your order at the same time, but they want to have it uh, sort of in stock every time is sort of the, the the line they're using. And I think that means for the CPG companies, if they weren't already being aggressive um, with on time and full fees, holding the carriers and shippers accountable for that, that that they're going to hold. The, the CPG companies, you know, really accountable for the on time and full. So service seems to be of greater um, importance than it ever has when dealing with these big uh, shippers. So those were kind of the three big takeaways um, from the the retail earnings call. Consumer holding up well. Uh, you know, Walmart getting maybe more aggressive on price, and then um, it really has to be in stock, uh, sort of every time to to, to play. Um, so with that, as a little bit of an overview, I want to bring in today's guest. It's Guillermo Garcia, co-founder and CEO of Smart hey, Hop. He's joined us on previous um, uh, discussions on FreightWaves TV. Uh, thank you for joining me on the Stockout. 
Yeah, so SmartHop is a so why don't we start um, off with just why don't you give us a little bit of an overview of, uh, those of SmartHop uh, for those who, who are familiar in the U.S. manage their operations and um, uh, perform with better capabilities than the leading carriers. And um, what we want is to pretty much level the playing ground so those that um, have their fleets very small probably don't, don't have uh, the relationships that the mega carriers have with uh, shippers and brokers, uh, that they can operate uh, with the same level, if not um, higher level, and have the ability to uh, move and have those opportunities that the big players have. So how, how do you go about uh, about doing that? And, and maybe, so, maybe to start, like, what are some of the unique challenges that you know, without a platform like that, or just this, a very small carrier would have because they don't have the scale of, of a large uh, fleet. First thing uh, to understand about SMBs uh, in the trucking world in the U.S. is um, you don't have contracts. Uh, you don't. You typically have a very transactional-driven relationship uh, with your customers, uh, either a shipper or a broker. You're on a load-to-load basis, so. Um, First thing, uh, and one of the things that we do best is helping them automate their decision-making process uh, when um, using your assets, booking your loads, managing the execution of that load. And that helps uh, your relationship with either the broker or the shipper, whoever you're pulling for. Um, But also we understand that um, for them to be able to be competitive, um, bottom line is really important as well. And so if you have just a handful of trucks in your fleet, how can you compete? If you're bottom line, you're paying retail rights in fuel, if you're paying high prices uh, with your factory. And so we're helping them reduce the cost of operation. So the pressure that they would have typically um, that uh, makes them have to negotiate and be obsessed about negotiating uh, their rates lowers. And so they have an ability now to build a relationship and to make uh, the right decisions uh, across the journey of uh, of their trucks. Yeah, so a few different um, things there. Uh, so, so really, you know, you sort of list a few different things and it's, um, you know, I guess what's what stand out, what has stood out in some of our data has just been the spread between the spot rates, which is where a lot of these small fleets play in, and the contract rates, which have stayed more elevated. We have a sonar chart that um, to, to that effect. So the the white line are is, is van contract rates, excluding fuel, so just the line haul. And then the orange, we have spot rates uh, with an algorithm to remove fuel to put those on apples to apples basis. And you, and you see, you know, the spot rates have been lower than contract rates for some time now, almost beginning at 2022. 20, uh, Maybe they've stabilized a, a, a little bit there and, and and how would you you know describe that when you see um the, the spot rates that have that degree of of spread and, and and maybe is there evidence that we're at a bottom with with with, with spot rates or, or kind of what do you see in the marketplace there so trucking is a, a very cyclical uh industry it goes up it goes down um but also spot versus contracted uh, 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 some quarters on uh, spot will outpace the contract and then will go down. Uh, the important piece to understand here is those that mainly live uh, in the spot market, which uh, means you don't have a contract, 
um, you're very vulnerable and it's in, it's very volatile uh, because you're always searching for a load, not a contract, not a long term. It's just a couple of days that you can secure uh, when it, uh, when you think about uh, spot market rates. And the other thing to consider is small trucking companies typically, and I don't like to generalize, but typically you're not provisioning for those downturn moments of the industry and also the rates. So what we've seen is it, the, the greatest combination is to have some sort of contract uh, and spot market at the same time. 100% spot market uh, carrier or 100% dedicated um, carrier, it's not necessarily the best or the maximum outcome that you can have uh, to become a healthy uh, trucking company. Navigating between both is where it becomes uh, healthy as a business. But the difficulty there is how to navigate that and how to have those relationships where your assets uh, shift from one place to the other and you fill the gaps either with contract dedicated uh, lanes and also spot market rates. Yeah, it's almost like a stock portfolio. You want to have some bonds and some some stocks. You don't want to have you know all stocks. It's too it's too volatile. Um, it, I mean, a lot of these these small fleets, you know, maybe they have a really good sort of head haul um, rate. Let's say from just use a lane Chicago to Des Moines, but then they have trouble finding a load in Des Moines to get get them back to Chicago. Rely on a broker pays a really low rate, you know, you know, how can they use a tool like yours to, to maybe get them back to Chicago at a, at a better rate? Yeah, the important piece uh, there and uh, change in, um, in paradigm for us is we don't uh, typically um, think about head calls or back holes. Yes, if you have a truck that goes and uh, goes and comes back, yes, that whole uh, and um, front hole and back hole is is pretty uh, pretty much how you need to think. But at the end of the day, if you have a contract, if you have a dedicated lane, the head hole could be the one that you are trying to fill with the spot market. So we think in kind of like uh, loopy trips where our technology is helping bringing those contracts, bringing those that priority. Uh, that your fleet has with that relationship that you built. And so we take it uh, kind of like in layers, our technology is saying, well, if you have this contract, if you have uh, to perform and also if you need to execute on this contract, then from that moment on, then starts to match and think about cross-network. And cross-network could be other dedicated lanes, other contracts, but also spot market. So it's a combination of uh, contract and spot market. Um, and the other thing that we've uh, changed and help our customers change is not think about just RPM, uh, rate per mile, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, the important piece for a business is profits, is that profitability to bring at the end of the month, the quarter, or the period that you're looking at. And so you can take a low rate from point A to point B 
uh, just to get to that load that will make up for that loss or for that low rate. But at the end of the day, the sum of all the loads that you're doing in that period, it's what truly matters. And that's where we do really good, where our technology does really good for the ops people in that carrier to understand what's the best decision at any given case and any given time. Okay. So it's all about kind of load selection, you know, picking the loads that'll get you into a market where you're also going to be get, get loaded. And, and maybe that means you, you go to a few different cities and, and, and not just, um, you know, sort of go back and forth in some cases. So that's interesting. Um, you know, you know, for a small fleet that is, you see, you don't want to be overly reliant on the spot market. That makes a lot of sense. If, if, a, if a fleet is, overly reliant on the spot market, how can they start to make that transition where they're a little bit more balanced between the the contract and, and spot market? And how do they sort of carve out a niche um, with some contractual customers? The first thing that we always advise uh, to our customers is uh, one, understanding that trucking is a commodity. Um, quality and relationships really matter, right? I mean, your truck, uh, there's millions of others that have your same truck uh, and and then offering something uh, to either brokers or shippers. So what we uh, say to our customers is use the data, follow the suggestions that our technology is um, given to you, to your operations people, but build relationships. Because even if it's through our technology that we allow um, uh, digital bidding and booking through our uh, technology, those brokers or shippers that know you will typically pay more, will typically be more open of bending the bar more for you than just a one-off type of carrier. So that specific load, if our uh, technology is suggesting that uh, you should do it for a couple of hundred dollars more, that broker or that shipper will, if the relationship is there, if the quality of your service is there, you will typically see a much better outcome. And $100 here, $200 uh, in the next load, if you start adding that up, that's, will, uh, that's what's going to separate you from the rest of the pack. And we can't control the market. And we say this, every day to our customers, we can control the market. What we can do is to help you navigate the wave and be on top of that wave. And if you're making the right decisions, um, if you're making sure that the relationship and the quality of your service is there, you're going to have a good uh, a good outcome. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So the, the relationship somewhat dependent on, you know, this, this carrier has given shipper good service in the past, therefore you know, they're kind of get to be a kind of a preferred carrier. I mean, I assume sort of define good service as sort of showing up on time, you know, getting to, the, to where you're going on time. If there's some traffic jam and you can't do that, you know, let them know ahead of time or any other, you know, sort of best practices that the fleet should employ um, to deliver good service. Well, one of the things that I think it hits really hard to brokers and shippers is, is cancellations. And it goes both ways. It goes the carrier not canceling the appointment or going to pick up. If you commit that you are going to 
uh, pick up and deliver a load for a broker or a shipper. Follow your promise and don't jeopardize um, that relationship because just minutes minutes after you put that load, another broker, another shipper called or you saw it on a platform just for uh, maybe a little bit of an extra money uh, in that. So cancellations, and, and I tell you that it goes both ways because one of the things that hurts a lot to every carrier um, and specifically the the customers that we have that mainly live on the spot market is when a broker does the same, right? I mean, they found someone that was willing to do the load for just a couple of um, uh, dollars less, and they will just call and say, well, I'm sorry, something happened, and I need to take you off, off that load. So uh, as you said, picking up, up on time, having that quality when you execute is really important. But in that relationship building, if you commit uh, to a broker or to a shipper, just uh, make sure that you do it because that will put marks on you and brokers would want, as always, if you're a broker and, and think about if you're a broker and there's a, I mean, primary VIP type of shipper, call it, I don't know, Coca-Cola, you don't want to give, be giving those loads to just any carrier that call uh, on that load. And so you are putting your name uh, to your uh, to your customer. And so you're relying on that carrier uh, to perform well if they're going to maintain that business uh, with that shipper. So again, it goes both ways, um, but being trucking the, the commodity that it is, uh, it, it is all about the service that you can provide. And it starts with making uh, the right decisions, but it follows with you um, like really executing the way that you should. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also want to ask you about, um, you know, I mean, one of the sort of scale advantages that the large fleets have or the small fleets is, is fuel buying. I mean, you can buy at rack minus a certain number of cents. If you're a large enough carrier, small fleets can't do that. How do you mitigate some of that um, scale advantage on fuel when you when, when you have skill and it, it is all i mean the game of skill is about that right i mean you have leverage to negotiate and you're not getting um uh in fuel specifically you're not getting a discount on retail you're 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 talking about cost plus so um the savings that a mega or large fleet is getting in fuel is astronomical um, if you compare it to the uh, uh, five, ten truck fleet, uh, right? And so, if you're thinking about uh, a cost structure, structure a line item that weighs 26, 27 percent of your cost structure, which is fuel, every cent that you um, that you save, it is really important. And again, brokers will say, "Well, but." Uh, truckers are always battling for extra 50 here, extra 100 there. Yeah, but their cost structure uh, requires them. I mean, they, they don't have any other options. So but we, what we've done is we've aggregated, but also we have uh, negotiated in volume so that those that behave in the way that they need to behave, those that are really doing good and want to do good, have access 
to the same that the thousand, two thousand fleet truck uh, has. And so what we've uh, enabled is an opportunity for them to um, have the kind of structure at the level as the big fleets. And then it's um, up to them to keep that as part of the benefits of working with Smart Hub. Uh, and, and I'll tell you the truth. When you give the opportunity to a very small trucking company, probably is a mom and pop, it's owned by a family uh, or just a couple of uh, friends that are working really hard under one authority. The level of service, when you give them the opportunity, I was one of them uh, not long ago. When you give them the opportunity, the level of service is such higher than just a thousand truck fleet that I'm sure that any broker, any shipper would want to work with. You just need to give them the opportunity to do good and have the cost of operation that they need. Yeah, that's um, really critical. I think that's what small carriers have to do is just really provide that, that, that important service. And it's getting to be more critical, it seems like, the, the service levels. Um, real quick, um, have you seen an uptick in bankruptcies with among small uh, fleets? I mean, it seems like it's been a tough environment for the last year and a half. Yeah, for uh, small fleets, they're dependent on day-to-day uh, -day rates. And we've, we've seen, unfortunately, people not... Um, uh, not being able to make it just because either they did not prepare uh, for downtrends. Again, trucking is cyclical. So when you're doing really good, you better save money because the downtrend is going to come at some point or other. And most of small trucking companies typically don't plan that ahead. And so, yes, we've, we've seen, unfortunately, people leaving the industry just because they can't handle the cost of operations. Yeah, sorry to hear that, but um, not unexpected, I guess, um, based on what's happened in the market. Um, thanks for, for joining me. And how can people reach out to you and learn more about SmartHop? Yeah, they can go to our website, smarthop.com, uh, and reach us uh, through the website or by phone. Great. Well, thanks very much, and I hope everyone has a great day.